Welcome to the Journal of Inherited Metabolic Disease podcast, where every fortnight I invite you to join me on a deep dive into the stories behind the papers published in the JIMD. I've been very lucky to be joined by an incredible collection of guests from living legends to rising stars and of course you wonderful listeners. So if you haven't hit subscribe yet then please do, but not before listening to this latest episode as we return to gene therapy and galactosemia. Hello there. It's a testament to the rapid speed of IMD research that within less than a year from our last podcast discussing gene therapy and galactosemia, we're able to return to the topic. And if you're a family living with the disease or a clinician treating these patients, then having multiple groups looking at treatment is no bad thing. So in this episode, I'm joined by two of the authors of a new paper, Dr. Megan Brophy and Dr. Robert Bell, to discuss their work, AAV-mediated expression of galactose-1-phosphate uridyl transferase corrects defects of galactose metabolism in classic galactosemia patient fibroblasts. There should be a comma in there, I feel. Um, Megan and Robert, thank you for speaking with me. Thanks for having us. Thank you for having us. So galactosemia is a topic that has come up in the podcast before, and we've spoken a little about the disease itself and why the current approach of galactosemia restriction still presents a significant burden of disease. Within your work, you discuss some of the disease impacts in terms of oxidative and ER stress that occurs within the cells in classic galactosemia. I wonder if you could explain what you mean by that. So oxidative stress occurs when you have an imbalance of reactive oxygen species and antioxidants in the cell. And these reactive oxygen species can cause damage to nucleotides, fatty acids, amino acids, and deactivate enzymes. And this eventually leads to damage to the cell itself and alter signaling pathways and may cause inflammation. ER stress is when the folding of protein slows down within a cell and can also be caused by inflammation oxidative stress. And this can also lead to further damage of the cell as well as apoptosis. And both of these have been previously shown in other publications to play a role in classic galactosemia. How exactly these lead to phenotype seen in patients is not entirely clear. And one of the things that sets this work apart from what has been previously reported is the use of patient fibroblasts. When you're looking at cells alone, what kind of outcomes do you consider? For this study, we were primarily looking for phenotypes that have been previously published in uh, patient fibroblasts, um, other cell types or animal models to see if we could ameliorate those phenotypes in the patient cell line with gene therapy. And could you explain sort of what you did and, and what you found then? We confirmed uh, previous publications that with high galactose conditions, these patient cells had increased ER stress, increased oxidative stress, and defects in glycosylation. And we found that when treating these cells with an AAV-mediated gene therapy, we were able to ameliorate these defects and get things somewhat back to normal, including gouty protein levels and activity. The fibroblasts you're working with, presumably when people have had diagnostic studies done, these people have ticked a box saying, and I'm happy for them to use for research. The patient cells that we used in this manuscript were acquired by Coriel, who manages to receive samples from patients with galactosemia who are willing to donate their cells and their blood for research purposes, which we are all very grateful to have access to. And these come from a variety of patients with a variety of mutations, from some that are under a year old, some that are 16 years old or older, both male and female. And is there 
a sort of a, a phenotypic correlation with the, the different cell types? So do you know that some people manifest more severely than others based on their cells, a bit like a sort of a donor profile, as you, if you will? From what we have seen with the cells that we had, most of them had pretty much the same phenotype. Obviously, in the literature, the Q188R mutation is most often associated with a very severe disease phenotype. And we do see that with the patient-derived cells, but it's not as pronounced as it might be in the clinic. Another thing on that, that last point is that, you know, while the, the patient cells are incredibly useful to understand uh, the biochemistry related to specific mutations, uh, we have to remember that within an actual galactosemia patient, there are many organs involved. And it's difficult to completely recapitulate all the different cell types within a dish. Uh, so I think this is where we hope to be able to leverage other models in the future to help us understand galactosemia better, to understand how different organs are affected in the disease process and potential therapeutic applications that, that could be explored. What this paper really is trying to better understand are some of the fundamental biochemical pathways within galactosemia that could be rescued with a gene augmentation approach. One of the things that we were actually surprised by was the defects in glycosylation for TGF-beta receptor 2. Based on previous publications, we already knew that others have found a decrease in CD109, possibly due to defective glycosylation. So we thought that we would have an increase in TGF-beta receptor 2 since CD109 causes that to be degraded, but this is almost the opposite of what we saw. Some non-glycosylated TGF-beta receptor 2 is not functional, and it will be really interesting to see how TGF-beta receptor signaling plays a role in this disease. And just quickly, Megan, because I'm a general pediatrician, I spend most of my life dealing with constipation and headaches, and I wasn't that great at science at medical school. What on earth do you mean by TGF-beta 2 receptor? <laughs> so there's, I think there's three TGF-beta receptors. There's one, two, and three. And uh, TGF-beta, this uh, molecule that's around in circulation in the cells, binds to this receptor and this leads to a whole cascade of signaling that has various effects throughout the cell and the body. And it'll be very interesting to see if this is something that is relevant in, a, in an animal model and how that may play a role. Okay, well, hopefully that will obviously give us some insight into why there's so many diet-independent features with galactosemia. Oh, it's, oh, there's so many things. I mean, the thing that's always in my mind with some of these rare diseases with diet, it, it, it's actually even on a low galactose diet, there are still some phenotypes that these patients are living with that are a burden on them. And I think what Megan's project is, is trying to do is better understand the biochemistry of galactosemia to potentially develop interventions that can address some of those unmet medical needs. Another aspect of utilizing patient-derived cells helps us address a question that we had early on in this program around dominant negative effects potentially occurring in the context of an AAV gene replacement. And Megan's data nicely shows that that likely is not a limitation in this approach. What do you mean by dominant negative effects? Well, many animal studies, including some of our preliminary data, is in the context of a knockout, complete null mutation. Whereas in the patient fibroblasts that we have, there could still be some 
protein expressed, though not functional. And if there's interactions between that mutated protein and our AAV mediated gene replacement product, it could result in essentially no rescue of the phenotypes we're trying to fix, which is not the case. And this is, I think, the first time to our knowledge that that's been demonstrated in actual human cells. The study seems to have been successful. You did look at this in a mouse model too. Do you see similar success there? Our in vivo studies are currently ongoing. So we are still assessing that data. We have shown that we were able to reduce circulating galactose metabolites in a knockout mouse model, but we're hoping to submit our in vivo data for publication at a later date. The ongoing mouse study is evaluating potential patient-related phenotypes and whether or not this can safely and effectively be rescued with a, a gene therapy approach. Are you waiting on the mouse model now, or are you looking to progress with I say, different cell types or even people? Yeah, I think while the patient cell uh, results are, are quite promising, a significant amount of work is still required to understand how AAV-mediated GALT replacement could you know, rescue patient-relevant phenotypes. A challenge, right, James, is that mice, and this gets back to actually that first question, mouse models of genetic diseases oftentimes do not fully recapitulate what is seen in patients. And so a big part of what we have to try to understand is what phenotypes are reproduced in disease models that are relevant to the actual indication. It all sounds very promising, and, and obviously we've, we're going to have to wait for the, the mice data. I mean, I wanted to ask, so Megan, I think you're still at Pfizer, aren't you? Rob, you were at Pfizer when this study was done. You've since left. Pfizer's this huge company. Um, before the pandemic, they're perhaps best known for their little blue pills. Now they're best known for their vaccine. When it comes to projects like this, how does a company like that work in, in terms of choosing disease targets and, and, and which approaches they'll take? Yeah, the, the way we approached this project initially was that Megan was accepted into a great WRD or Worldwide Research and Development postdoc program at Pfizer. And this fellowship program allows individuals to advance basic and translational sciences while also getting exposure to you know, drug discovery and development processes. This particular project leveraged the rare diseases research interests in both rare metabolic diseases and the expertise that the organization has in AAV-mediated gene augmentation. In this case, this was a um, project that Megan uh, initiated and, and started on her own and, and frankly, um, led quite independently while tapping into various resources across the Pfizer organization. Um, it's been amazing to see uh, the amount of work that, that Megan has been able to accomplish uh, on this particular project that, you know, we're now starting to see in this publication, for example. The Rare Disease Research Unit's current portfolio spans four therapeutic areas, including rare hematology, rare endocrine and metabolic, rare neurology, and rare cardiology. And we use multiple modalities to unlock the promise of science for the millions of people with rare diseases for whom the current standard of care falls short. We aim to follow the science and we carefully consider a number of factors, including the available data, 
the area of expertise represented by all of the scientists within the rare disease research unit and the potential impact for patients in deciding what disease targets are approached. Fair enough. I think people are certainly grateful that um, the big companies are still sort of setting their sights on these unresolved issues that exist within rare disease. And I look forward to hearing more about the mice, wherever it ends up. Obviously, you know, Germany all the way. So there you have it. Obviously, the road to treatment is not an easy one. Um, it's obviously very promising, but it's early stages and, and obviously more work needs to be done. If you'd like to read this paper, please click the link in the podcast description or go to the journal website and type in gene therapy, fibroblasts and galactosemia. And if you'd like to hear more from us, including our first podcast on galactosemia, gene therapy and assessing tremor, then search for JIND podcast wherever you like to listen. Uh, Megan and Rob, thank you for your time today. Have a great day. Thank you. And thank you for listening. Until next time. Goodbye.